Well, a very, very eventful weekend for the Detroit Tigers. Very eventful draft in the last two days. Max Clark taken with the third overall pick. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All righty. Well, two days of drafting is in the books for the Detroit Tigers. On Tuesday, they will do rounds 11 through 20, which is the remainder of the draft. There's only 20 rounds uh, anymore. There used to be a billion. Now there's only 20. Uh, so the end of the draft will conclude on Tuesday. So for tomorrow's episode, we'll talk about, you know, briefly some of the, the players, whatever info we can gather on the players, which in Day three is usually few and far between. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow. Today, we are talking about the very, I think controversial is the word, top of the draft for the Detroit Tigers. And one of the things about uh, the position that I am in is that my takes don't go anywhere, right? They're very public permanently. And so, obviously... I made it very well known that if Wyatt Langford or Dylan Cruz was on the board at three, that was my pick. And that holds true. That doesn't just because we didn't take either of them doesn't mean that that isn't my opinion anymore. Wyatt Langford is really good and he's a dang good ball player and he's going to be a really good hitter for the foreseeable future. That being said, I love Max Clark and That isn't just like, oh, we drafted Max Clark and now I'm going to pretend like I love him. There's actually, uh, I think a week and a half before the draft, uh, as we were getting prepped for the live stream that I did with Motor City Metrics, Rahelio, Chris Brown, etc. All those great guys, Trevor Huth, Reese White, fantastic squad there. Uh, We had a really fun time. Got a lot of great insight reactions to the draft. Um, But as we were prepping for it, you know, Raj wanted... To, to make some graphics and he wanted, you know, some info on who each of the people on the panel liked. And so he had asked me, you know, Hey, text me or, or send me a spreadsheet or whatever of your five favorite prospects in the entire draft. And this is a well, a, more than a week before the draft. Okay. The number one player that I sent him on my favorite players in this draft, number one was Max Clark. And that's a real thing. <laughs> so I, if you're looking for like the, I hate this and Wyatt Langford was the pick and it's not Wyatt Langford. So I'm going to be upset. Then you're, you're not going to find that here. I think the initial reaction to this pick was wild. I think it was wildly undeserved. I, I was blown away by how upset people got. I I'm truly stunned. And I think, I think my assessment of the situation was that most people got upset 
because people like myself, this is my fault as well, okay? But a lot of the talking heads around the organization, the people that cover the team, not one of us, <laughs> nobody, outside of Jason Beck for MLB.com, really, really nobody gave either of the prep bats a legitimate discussion to be taken here. And I think that throughout the fan base, that very quickly got construed into okay, well, these guys must be a tier below the other three players, the three college kids then, or they must be worse, or they must not be on the same level. And that's just simply not true. Now, again, my analysis of this draft is is up permanently, right? So, uh, you, I mean, you can go back and, and watch what I had to say before the draft. I, again, if, if it was me, if my last name was Harris instead of Bentley on Sunday night, I would have taken Wyatt Langford. But Max Clark is a legitimate electric factory. He has five-tool potential, uh, and he has star potential, and he is an unbelievably talented young man that is a very welcome addition to this organization. It's just I, I was blown away by the, okay, it wasn't Langford, so like we're getting our pitchforks out and burning the city to the ground reaction. I, I, I was very rather taken aback. Now, the shock value of the pick makes total sense to me. You can go see my live reaction to the pick over at the Motor City Metrics you know, YouTube page. I'm sure the, the video of the live stream is up. You can see my jaw hit the ground. I wasn't upset, though, because they got literally my favorite player, like documented my favorite player in this entire draft. But I was certainly surprised. And again, like nobody around that that has connections to the organization really at any point we're like oh they're thinking high school bat again outside of jason beck shout out jason beck uh great beat writer for the tigers um and even like the people that were third party that are part of like you know like perfect game and team usa and prospects live and uh, you know people that make mock drafts and stuff not a single one of them was like oh yeah tigers you know i'm hearing maybe they're going prep bat Every single person that covers the draft and or covers the Tigers was like, it's college bat. Why would it not be? But I, I think there's a, a some sort of a, a misconception or, or a, a lapse in communication when talking to the fan base about the difference between a prep bat and a college bat does not mean worse. It, it probably means closer to major league ready. So if you're upset about the timeline, we'll get into that a little bit later. But as far as just like straight up worse or better, that that, that is, that's not how this works. That's not how this ever has worked, right? And when you're in a draft and you are evaluating talent, we'll talk about the, the slot money as well and how that played a factor and uh, how they were able to kind of have some pretty awesome second and fourth picks in this draft because partially due to getting Clark at the top, but even if you're like, oh, I don't care about the rest of the draft. I, you know, for some reason only want like the one big name at the top, whatever. Just straight up, Max Clark is a dude. Like he, 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 this is a talented, this is not, this is, and I, I still think Jackson Job can be a really good pitcher, but this isn't even comparable to that. This is not like Job 2.0. Jackson Job, if he was not drafted by the Detroit Tigers, would have been picked in like the teens or maybe even fall into the twenties of that draft. If Max Clark was not, if, if the Tigers took Wyatt Langford, Max Clark would have gone four to the Rangers. That's like well-documented. <laughs> the Rangers list was Langford and then Clark. 
And the Pirates were heavily considering taking Clark with the number one overall pick. Like, this isn't some bum. This isn't some random high schooler that, like, you know, that that's, I don't know, just like a random dude that that's just, you know, they totally were just penny-pinching and saving money. Like, that's, that's, that's not the case. This is still a guy with star potential. And we'll see, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, this fan base doesn't forget. I, I mean, they, they're going to compare Jackson, Job, and Marcelo Meyer to each other for the rest of time. And I'm sure that everybody will be comparing Max Clark to Wyatt Langford now for the rest of time. And I'm not here to sell you either way. I'm a Max Clark fan. That doesn't mean that I'm using my platform to like shove my propaganda in your face and be like, oh yeah, you have to like Max. If I get through this entire 30 minutes, I, I don't ever do 30 minute episodes. Let's be honest with ourselves. If I get through this entire 40 minutes and at the end of it, you're like, ah, that's great, dude, but I still don't agree with any of it. That's that's fine. Like, you know, I, I, not here to change people's minds. I'm here to lay out information, inform you, and educate you on Max Clark. And then you come, I guess, to your own conclusion on whether you're a fan of the pick or not. And I'm doing that now because this is, again, like partially on my shoulders that I didn't do that pre-draft. I did not give the prep bats even a single time of day because I didn't think it was a possibility. I for a hundred percent certain that it was going to be a college bat just because of an assumption. And that, you know what they say about assuming. So I just want to lay the stage a little bit here. No pun intended, I guess with the draft and stage, but like, I, I just wanted to kind of lay the scene. Like this is a really good baseball player. That is going to be a really, really electrifying ad to this organization he fits the mold. He fits the brand of the city. He fits the brand of, of Scott Harris and what he wants out of hitters. Great walk numbers, low chase rate, elite contact rate. Does not swing and miss very often. Working on his bat speed. Has already changed his batting stance a couple of times. This is a dog. Okay? Let's talk about him, the player, a little bit more. What are the Detroit Tigers getting in third overall pick? Max Clark. But first, I want to tell y'all about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the definition of clutch. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they will give you 110% of the difference. Get images on your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. They're also sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email, wallet, purse ever again. Snag the tickets without the stress at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow, obviously. Shots to the everydayers that do tune in every day. Tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit about the draft, and then we'll probably start doing like first half, second half stuff as far as the Tigers major league product goes. Um, so let's get back into Max Clark. This dude is electric. Like that really is the best way I can describe it to you. This dude is a pure and utter electric factory. You're talking about a, a guy that has legitimate potential to be a plus in all five tools, right? The, the, the OG five tools of baseball, arm, 
as like a, an underclassman in high school, he could throw 90 on the mound and his words and his coaching staff's words are on the bump. He could hit 96 to 98. You're getting that out of a center fielder. Okay. So you got a cannon of an arm, 70 grade speed on a 20 to 80 grade scale. So a plus runner steals a lot of bases, stole a lot of bases in high school. Just an absolute dog on the base paths is really the best way I can describe it to you. There's a lot of video. That's the other cool thing about Max Clark is uh, he's very in tune with the social media world, like own YouTube channel that's dedicated to following him around and making content and going to his games and stuff has hundreds of thousands of followers. Like it's a legitimate, like, I don't want to call him an influencer, but like as a legit personality, like, it's kind of nice that, uh, you know, this has obviously nothing to do with how good of a ball player he is or his draft stock or anything, but like, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a personality in the organization. I don't know, get some media attention, get some eyes on the Tigers and a small market, a medium market at best. So that's kind of cool. Obviously, again, before anybody goes, oh, I'm taking an influencer one, three, calm down. So great runner, plus, plus runner, plus, plus arm, uh, plus defender just in general. He's going to stick in center field long-term. Uh, he is an athlete, six foot one, solid I mean ripped um but yeah uh, he he's gonna he's gonna stick in center field long term like pure center field type of ceiling beautiful okay then you get to the plate contact machine genuinely and again this is a dude that drew a lot of walks like really really solid walk rate not afraid to, to to walk to first which I'm sure Scott Harris loved um but also just like didn't swing and miss and i again like i i already can hear everybody oh it's high school whatever yes obviously he will swing and miss more against professional pitching than he did in high school you're projecting talent okay he's not going to be as good as he is now when he makes his major league debut you're you're projecting talent and right now the fact of the matter is the dude has pretty darn incredible bat to ball skills okay now power is the one thing that objectively is in question. And it's not like he's never going to like hit the ball out of the infield or anything like that. But when comparing him to Wyatt Langford, that was a lot of people's issue was like, oh, we wanted a big thumper, like the, the big impact bat in the organization. That's what I said on previous shows when talking about why I wanted Wyatt Langford. Max Clark is very much a, he hits the ball hard, it's all about lifting the ball off the ground. And I, I kind of hope, I hope we can have him on and talk to him Sunday because uh, he was kind of like joking about it at one point, which like I, I enjoy that. I think that's a good mindset to have. But, and it, that's not to say he didn't hit his bombs. He hit some nukes, okay, went during his high school, high school circuit this spring. Um, but he very much like that was the big knock on him after his junior year was like oh he's great at everything he just doesn't lift the ball really a lot of uh hard grounders or like balls that find holes and really the biggest thing is just a ton of line drives that don't have lift on them they don't carry doubles machine for that reason with the speed and the line drives so uh a he changed his swing from his junior to his senior year which i think is incredible uh, went through, went into his hitting lab with all his instructors and his team and everything, uh, and what came out of it. And with, uh, with a different swing that produced more loft and his senior year, he had that he was lifting the ball a lot more this year. And again, it, it's not like all of his hits are like bloopers. Like he's hitting the ball hard. It's just a matter of getting the launch angle to a point 
where you can consistently mechanically his swing and bat path can consistently lift the ball over and over again. That's the biggest step to development for me right now, immediately on, you know, a day after we draft him. So that's something that I'll be looking for. But yeah, he was like joking around about it with his teammates. Like he hit, he had like a, he hit a big home run in a game on one of the videos on YouTube. And uh, he goes back to the dugout and he's joking around and he's like, Hey, I lifted the ball. And it was like, it's like, that was what every scout was like, Oh, he needs to lift the ball more. And so I kind of like that mindset, but yeah, th- this dude ha- has legitimate tools, like t- is tooled up. Bob, the builder tooled the heck up. Um, I-, I think a lot of people like comparing him to Corbin Carroll, just because they play the game very similarly. Uh, I-, I don't think Clark, even at, you know, if he does figure out the mechanics to the bat path and everything is ever going to be like a 30 plus home run guy, but he doesn't need to be, to be like an incredible, you know, all-star caliber player. He's a plus defender in Comerica center field, stealing bases, high average, high walk rate, and a doubles machine. He can have, you know, 18 to 23 home runs and be very, very productive and be a, a star, like vital piece to uh, a, a really competitive, good baseball team. Okay, so that's the player. Now, the timeline was also... I don't want to say argued, but it was a big point of emphasis. There's a lot of people that just just say some of the most outlandish stuff. Um, you know, like, oh, you know, Scott Harris buckling down for like, you know, a 10-year rebuild because he's taking all these high schoolers. That's not how this works. Like, that's not what just happened. Um, you're, you're taking for upside. And also something that was pointed out by Trevor Huth and Reese White on the Motor City Metrics draft live stream. So it was their point that I'm just regurgitating. I want to make that clear. They, uh, the, the two of them had talked about it a lot. Was if you look at this farm system outside of Jackson Joe, it's a lot of players that are either like were college players that are kind of creeping into their mid 20s and or players that are knocking on the door of the majors, right? You talk about the top prospects that are talked about all the time. Parker Meadows, AAA, going to get called up at some point this year. Justin Henry Malloy, AAA, going to get called up at some point this year. Colt Keith, AAA, I will say likely to get called up at some point this year after the trade deadline, right? Like all these dudes are, are knocking on the door. And when all of those guys graduate, the offensive talent, and, and not talent, but the offensive depth in this farm system plummets, Okay. So obviously, if you take anybody at one three, you're going to fix that a little bit. But having this influx of young talent can kind of reset almost the farm system in a sense of like, oh, well, now there's going to be another wave in a couple years, right? You have this wave right now, then you have another wave in a couple years from now. And it's going to have uh, Max Clark, it's going to have Magano, who we'll talk about in a little bit, right? Like you, you have this kind of Second wave, I mean, some of the international guys, we'll see how Roberto Campos and Christian Santana continue to progress. It's been kind of shaky, but you know what I mean? Like there's a, there has the ability to be kind of a second wave a couple years from now. Whereas again, I'm not, <laughs> I want to make it very clear, like, like of my, my opinion of Wyatt Langford has not changed at all. He's going to be great. And he was certainly closer to major league ready. But that doesn't mean that he objectively just had a higher ceiling. That just means that he's probably going to make the majors quicker. But at the end of the day, if the difference between one of them making their debut in two years and one making their debut in three years is the difference of like 
a pretty good player and a star level player, then like, obviously you're going to take, you know, kick the can a year down the road and take a guy with a higher ceiling. If that's what you believe. And that's what your team believes he is. That's I, 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 I know everybody, I know everybody freaked out and whatnot, but this guy is a dog. This is such an incredible and, and fun talent to be injected into this organization. And I feel so weird about the fact that it's like weirdly controversial to have like this a plus potential level like player be inserted into your organization and have it be like oh like you know it's controversial and we wanted somebody else and you know time will tell i don't know if everybody had a crystal ball then like we'd all know right like obviously no one knows but uh both of these guys are probably going to be really good baseball players and Golly, Clark is fun. Um, so, and then, yeah, like timeline in kind of the same regard for him. People ask, like, when can we expect him in the majors? And that was another thing. People are like, wow, Scott Harris really drafting for like the 2035 Tigers. Ha ha. Like, saw a bunch of those tweets as well. Um, talent advances. And I know literally like two weeks ago, I went on a whole spiel about how like no one and AAA was getting called up. There's a big difference between someone in their early 20s like not getting the call from AAA to the majors because there's not there's not a spot for him right now versus oh we drafted someone in high school so he has to stay in single a for like five years I don't know where that like misconception came from but it's not true Colt Keith was drafted in 2020 and did not have a minor league season in 2020 and was a high school draft pick in the fifth round Cole Keith was a fifth round pick and a year with no minor league season. His first taste of pro ball was 2021. He will be making his major league debut in the second half of 2023. That's two years. Like this notion that, that it's like, oh, we're, we're drafting for the 2030 team. I don't know where that came from. Like that, that's, that's, and I'm not saying that's not in, it's not impossible either. Like we'll see, we haven't seen him against pro pitching yet. But like I, I don't know, like the, the the notion that he like just guaranteed is not going to be in the majors in the next five years. I have no clue where that came from. We have plenty of evidence in our own organization and throughout the, all of baseball that prep players can advance through the system just as quickly as college bats. I, I genuinely, there's no legs to that statement whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to kind of eliminate that weird kind of narrative, I guess I would call it that I saw floating around there as well. Um, okay. Let's talk about the rest of the draft because a lot of cool stuff happened. Um, uh, and there was still, a, again, a big influx of young talent, which this organization needed. This organization needed some long-term talent. The college guys have the label of like being closer to major league ready, which is obviously true. I apologize greatly for all of my Angels friends, fans that are listening to this, but the Los Angeles Angels have drafted the college guy that gets to the majors quickest for the last decade, and they've done nothing, okay? Like, that 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 doesn't make a good system. Just a, a guy, just be, like... I love Zach Nito and he, I think he's a great ball player and he deserves to be in the majors, but like, that's their strategy. Every draft is just who can we get here the quickest? That's all we care about because they need reinforcements for Otani and trout. I'm not saying it's stupid, but like, that's their mindset. 
And look what they've put around. That like look what they filled the roster out with for the last five to ten years. Right. So like a, a healthy farm system has talent of all ages going through it and being inserted into it every single summer. Not just like who can we get up here and then when they get promoted, there's nothing behind them because we just called everybody up. You feel me? Okay, hope that made sense. Um, let's keep talking though. After I tell y'all about our friends over at BetterHelp, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while navigating life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. I've been going to therapy for over five years now, right? I end every single show with going to therapy's dope. I'm a huge advocate for it. And the fact that I'm now in a position where I can promote therapy to, you know, a bunch of people every single day is awesome. And I recommend it to everybody, no matter where, what point you're at in your life, no matter how you're feeling on a daily basis. It just gives you the ability to learn more about yourself, okay? So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Amazing feature. Finding the right person is very important. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment three, third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. Okay, so we talked a lot about Max Clark. We'll talk about kind of the overlook of this draft again at the end. But I want to talk about some really cool picks that happened elsewhere in the draft, outside of Max Clark, right? And that was a big thing when even discussing, uh, you know, I, I used the Cruz compared to Langford thing uh, for the bonus episode just because that's who I thought the decision was going to be made between. Um, but the difference between going slightly under slot, I believe they got Max Clark at uh, Ranger slot is what he said out of his own mouth. So uh, that would mean the Tigers would save. I don't like using the word save because they, they're just going to use it for players later in the draft. They're not like saving. Um, but uh, they they would go about six, a little under, a little over rather, $600,000 under slot at three to get Max Clark. Which then allowed them, and we explained this process in the bonus episode last week, allowed them to then get some really, really, really fun prep players in the comp round and in round three. Okay, we'll talk about the second round pick as well, but that was that was not a overslot type of pick. So with the 37th pick, the Tigers selected shortstop Kevin McGonigal, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, uh, who is from prep bat from Pennsylvania. Uh, There is a legitimate argument that this dude is the best pure hitter in the entire high school class. And again, like it's just all a game. Like the reason he fell, he he was ranked higher than where we were picking. The reason he fell, you have to be able to go over slot. You know, you got to be able to convince him to to sign with you instead of go to college. And the Tigers by all accounts are going to be able to do that. Uh, thank thanks to going under slot with Max Clark. So uh, they get Clark, they get McGonagall. That's two of the best 
prep hitters in this entire high school class that are immediately going into the Detroit Tigers minor league system. That is very, very exciting. There was also some weird misconception out there that uh, like drafting high school players was like weird or bad. And again, I, I think some people are just, uh, I don't want to use the word impatient because that is a super like condescending connotation to it. And I, I don't mean to be that whatsoever. Um, but I, I feel like some people are just like, oh, like, you know, the high school players won't be here forever. And the college players, like, you know, I can look forward to maybe them actually being here soon. You have to realize that if you're just drafting for upside, I, if money wasn't an issue, teams would literally only take high school players. They are significantly more valuable. The college bats, you got like a two-year window to prove yourself. And if you struggle, then you're not going to have a major league career. We've seen it time and time again in the last 25 years. We, we don't have a good draft history with bats, right? <laughs> like at all, this organization. T if slot value wasn't a thing and you could just take the best player available and sign anybody you wanted, I, like literally everyone would only take outside of the first round. I'm not saying, you know, first round pick talent is different. But from rounds like three to 10, they'd all be prep. <laughs> so... That, that This is like a, a good thing. It's weird that I even have to explain that. But like this, this is a positive. And the reason for that is because all the prep players that are drafted in like rounds two through 10, all of those dudes, guess what? In three years, they're going to be like first round picks. <laughs> a lot of them, right? These are the best high school players in the country. Just time and time again. Dudes get drafted in the third round. They don't get the money they want. Okay, well, I'm going to go to school. If you go to school, you have to go for three years in baseball. Boom. Now I'm projected to go 18th overall three years later. So, like, you're, we're getting great top-end talent. Dudes, that three years from now, if they go to school, could be first-round picks. And three years from now, instead, they're going to be 20 years old and still just in the Tigers organization, potentially higher up in the organization instead of starting from scratch in three years, you know? So like it, that's, I, I like the prep route personally, which is why going under slot at the top doesn't bother me. Again, it would bother me if it was like, Oh, they're being cheap. Max Clark clearly is not in the same level as the Wyatt Langfords of the world or whatever, but there was a pretty clear top five. And we talked a lot about the top three, because I think in a, there was a subsection of the five that was a top three and we had the third overall pick and we assumed that it was going to be a college bat, but there was a clear cut consensus. These are the five highest upsides in this draft. And those five dudes went with the first five picks because it was consensus. So back to my initial point, Kevin McGonigal. Okay. One of the best high school hitters in this entire draft class goes to the Detroit Tigers with the 37th pick in the comp round. Uh, he was drafted as a shortstop. I'm not sure he's going to stick there, but like every good player is either a center fielder, a catcher, or a shortstop in high school. So we'll see where he ends up long-term. I think there's a pretty general belief that he's going to move over and try second base at some point, but don't get it twisted. The Tigers are going to try him out at short because what's the harm in that? So they're going to try him at short early on and we'll see if he sticks. Um, but yeah, you're drafting this dude because of the offensive upside. Beautiful left-handed swing. It is a thing of beauty. Uh, the bat stays in the in the zone a long time. Scott Harris profile, et cetera. Their second round pick at 45th overall 
uh, was second baseman Max Anderson from Nebraska. Uh, this one is the only one that was like, well, I, I guess outside of Max Clark that kind of made me scratch my head because my thought was, okay, you went under slot with Clark. So the next two or three picks, you're going to try to go over. They went over with the pick after Clark, and then they went over with the pick after Max Anderson here, but they did not go over with him, but I didn't know what the next pick was going to be, and it all worked out. So uh, Anderson is a contact-heavy player for Nebraska. Uh, This dude just puts the bat on the ball at a borderline elite rate. That's really all there is to it. Uh, I I don't know where he's going to fit defensively long-term. There's some questions about where he can play defensively. So that'll certainly be a development point. Uh, There's some questions about like what are his powers going to translate at the next level, but the Scott Harris profile coming in full effect here, this dude does not swing and miss very often. And that is why the Tigers are taking a chance on him with their second round pick third round One of my favorite picks of the draft, left-hander Paul Wilson from a high school in Oregon. He's an Oregon State commit. Uh, This dude is very raw. This is one where it is going to take a while for him to make the majors. Uh, But because he's got some mechanical stuff he's got to work on, just consistently repeating his mechanics mechanics, uh, is is a question. But, I I mean, plus changeup, very solid curveball and tops out in the upper 90s at 18 years old from the left side. So they're going to have some fun uh, trying to, you know, develop him and turning him into a professional pitcher. So that's kind of a cool one too. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about some of the other ones that jumped out on tomorrow's show. But those were the, the at the top of the draft, the first three rounds and then the compensation round. Very clear strategy. We want a young injection of talent into this farm system. And I think that they did that successfully. Overall outlook on the draft, and then I'll let you get on your way. I completely understand. I can already see a lot of the comments because I've already seen a lot of the comments just from like what I've publicly said about my opinion of Max Clark and the draft pick and whatnot. Surprising? Absolutely. A word you can say. 100%. It was shocking. Okay? Jaw-dropping. Any synonym to exciting that you can think of? Very, very very accurate shocking pick bad I don't agree with and again I'm not telling you you have to agree with me but I I, it is if you know anything about the profile of Max Clark this dude was the national high school player of the year last year he was Mr. Indiana for baseball uh I mean he's one of the he's the number one high school prospect in the entire country he's a Vanderbilt commit like this is <laughs> the, the the talent here is legitimate. So I, I I don't agree that it was a bad pick. I think just the initial shock is what really threw people off because everyone was so predetermined and, and just preset to be like, okay, it's going to be a college bat if one of them's there. And we got a big curveball. The other thing I'll say is Scott Harris is going to do this his way. And I have definitely not been like a Scott Harris, like Homer, where like everything he's done, I've agreed with, right? A week and a half ago or two weeks ago, I kind of dug into him a little bit. Um, so I, this is definitely not coming from a person who's just like, oh, he can do no wrong. Everything he does is going to be perfect. Um, but 
the fact of the matter is we said this in the off season when he started making trades, we said this when he started bringing people in that fit his profile, right? High walk, low strikeout. At the end of the day, this dude's going to do it his way and he's going to see it through. So if that upsets you, then I, I, I don't, I guess I don't know what to tell you. Like if it upsets you, that's fine. That that's, that's your right. If you disagree with every single move he makes fine. Okay. That's a discussion that we have here every day. Uh, but at the end of the day, he, he's going to see it through and he's going to go all out on his way. And, and we're going to see if it works out at the end of the day. Avila didn't have a way. Like that's the biggest thing for me is Avila had no, there, there was no strategy. There was no, uh, there, there was no, not personality, but there was no profile. There was no, like, this is an Avila guy. Like it was just all bad. <laughs> like th- this at, at least, at, at least there's a profile and at least there's a, there's a way that we're sticking to doing things here and, and we're going to see it through and see if it works, man. The plan, as far as I understand it right now, is for Max Clark to go to the complex league, the rookie league, spend a couple of weeks there. It sounds like he's signing immediately and wants to go immediately. Okay. Um, so he's going to go to the complex league, the rookie league. They'll keep him there. Sounds like for a few weeks. If he looks good, he could be in Lakeland by August, really. He could be in Lakeland by the end of the year. And if he does well in Lakeland at the end of the year, this is a lot of ifs. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if he does well in Lakeland in the end of the year and he has a good winter of, you know, off season programs and workouts and whatnot, there's nothing that says that he's not in West Michigan at some point next year. Does that sound like someone that's like five years away from being in the majors? Let's see. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that is going to happen. What I am saying is going to happen rookie league. And then, hopefully Lakeland that is currently by everyone's accounts, Clark and the front office. That does seem to be the plan. Um, what other thoughts do I have on this? Metzler runs the draft. He's the assistant GM and, and uh, that is the head of amateur scouting. This dude was in charge of the Tampa Bay Rays draft for over a decade. I don't know about in charge for over a decade. He was on the team for over a decade. And by the end of it, he was very high up in that process for the Rays. The Rays have been notorious for taking high upside prep players over the last 10 years and turning them into absolute studs. They do high risk, high reward drafts time and time again. And the Rays have an absolute factory of talent over there. So not saying that this is overnight, just going to turn into the Rays. But I'm saying if if it's the most shocking thing in the world to you, given who's running the show here between him and Harris, then, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall and I missed it too. Okay, so that's another thing I want to bring up. Um, I guess I'll end on just, I know this is a 40-minute episode. There was no chance it wasn't going to be really long, just a very eventful last couple of days. Max Clark... A, we already kind of talked about the like personality thing. Just having some more eyes on the Tigers, I don't think is ever a bad thing. Give us some media. Give us some some personality in here. I think that that's cool. Uh, obviously, talent matters more than anything else. Calm down. Um, but I think that that is a, a, a cool, uh, I don't know, side effect of the pick, we'll call it. Um, but we had on the stream, uh, on the draft live stream, we had a couple of guests on, and one of the guests we had on was Brian Sikowski, who is a very highly regarded uh, scout. He works for Perfect Game, does 
busiest time of year is draft season. Uh, he's incredible at his job. And when we asked him about Max Clark, he had a couple of things to say. Uh, he said that that dude cares about two things, being the best baseball player in the world and winning. Sounds like an awesome mindset to me. He also said he was an a-hole on the field, just openly. And he, and he explicitly said that is not a negative thing. Like that is not off the field. He's a great young man. On the field, he he, he kept cursing. So I can't say it, but like, he's like, he's a jerk, but way meaner than jerk, right? When he's on the baseball field. He's a hard-headed ball player. And if you watch tape on him, it shows. The dude is a, is a hard A. Just rub some dirt in it. Go play some baseball. Old school kind of mindset in that regard. Definitely a let the kids play type of mindset as well. Uh, one of his like most viral videos is him turning around and trying to like shake the catcher's hand. And then the catcher didn't shake his hand and then he had a home run on the next pitch and he like bat flipped and screamed and whatever by all accounts he's a big clubhouse leader electrifying player i'm just regurgitating again i'm not trying to convince you one way or another you're going to come to your own conclusion but i'm just regurgitating everything that i've heard about him over the last three months so yeah this dude has a good mindset he wants to get better he just wants to win ball games he's tooled up He's big time tooled up. And I am so, so excited to see the heights that this dude can reach with this organization. I'm very, very excited. Pumped. We'll have a little bit more about the non-Max Clark picks on tomorrow's show uh, when the draft actually concludes and we have a full draft class under our belt. But this one was always going to be long and always going to be about mostly Max Clark just because, duh. So I'm excited. You wanted Wyatt Langford. I understand. Wyatt Langford is, a, is an exciting prospect. Who doesn't like Wyatt Langford? Truly. He's going to be good. He's going to be a darn good ball player. Um, but that has nothing to do with how good of a ball player Max Clark's going to be. And we just got one of the most electric players in this entire draft in our system. And I think that that needs to be praised a little bit more than talking about who we didn't get. Let's talk about who we did get because he's awesome. Okay. I think that's all I got for you. Very long episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. I appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow uh, doing some more draft recap. Uh, probably a little bit less intense of an episode just because we're not talking about controversy at the top there. Um, and what else? I think that's it. Yeah, we'll do some more, you know, like first half, second half stuff during the All-Star break. We're going to start a trade deadline conversation. This is like the most important month like ever for Scott Harris. First July, man. First draft, first trade deadline. Lot of opinions are going to be drawn. And we're going to really have a good feel for what direction uh, Scott Harris is taking this organization in uh, in three weeks from now. We're already kind of getting a grasp right now. So um, Max Clark rocks. Good ball player. Langford still a good ball player too. timeline. Don't believe that this is like the start of a 10 year rebuild just because we drafted high schoolers. I think that's ridiculous. He can still make the majors like Riley green was drafted in 2019. Didn't have a minor league season in 2020 because of COVID. So like, and was on the opening day roster. If he didn't break his foot in 2022, <laughs> um, 
Colt Keith. Oh, that really quickly. The other thing about like, oh, power. It does kind of excite me that uh, this team has developed power from a high schooler that didn't have power before because Colt Keith exists. Colt Keith was a fifth round pick in 2020. If you go back and look at any report from Colt Keith in 2020, it was, wow, this dude is going to hit. He's a really good hit tool, but he's not going to hit for power. He grew a little bit, grew into his body a little bit more, and the Tigers' development team completely got an overhaul in 2021. Now the kid hits absolute bombs. So we have experience with turning players with similar profiles into or giving them an uptick in power. So I just want to point that out as well. Okay, I'm going to go now because this is 45 minutes and very long. We'll be back tomorrow. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. I'll catch y'all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.